Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Dagot Podcast. Uh, we have plenty of things to discuss. First of all, we recorded a podcast uh, last week and the day after news broke that Chelsea went out and made perhaps the signing of the summer so far. We'll look into that and how, what that means to what that means for their future and the transfer window. We'll also have a look at uh, the Champions League. Uh, it's coming back soon the format that's been proposed and where it might be played. And finally, this week, um, Man City are appealing UEFA's decision to ban them from European competition for two seasons. We take a deep dive into that as well and hopefully we'll get enough time to speak about the maverick that is Mario Balotelli. Um, so joining us today, Cabral Pio. Hi, how are you? Hi. How have you been? I'm doing mm. good. Okay, that's nice to hear. Fabian, how are you? Hello. Hello, everyone. How is where you are? How are things there? Do you have enough beds? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think our, poli- our policy was misunderstood. When you get sick, you carry on beds. <laughs> yeah, and um, Michael, Moore. Michael, how have you been this week? Ah, mm. I've been okay. I've been good. The, mm. the cold weather has caught me off guard. Right. But uh, otherwise, I'm fine. Yes. I'd like to start off with the big news that broke uh, about a week ago now. Chelsea went out and bought Timo Werner when, when all of us were expecting that he would be off to Liverpool, except Fabiano said that he might not actually end up at Liverpool. You called... This right, Fabian. Why, why did you think he might not go to Liverpool and end up in another team? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I I had read somewhere that Chelsea were were really in on him. And then again, but apart from that, I think the fact that Liverpool weren't really acting on 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 uh, on the transfer, there aren't any movements by by Liverpool. Um, so. That just raised questions. I think a, a few months ago, Vana had given an interview and he really praised uh, Klopp. Mm. I think Liverpool is where he wanted to go. But maybe Liverpool, I think the Liverpool guys, they felt maybe it could be a financial issue. But apart from that too, I think the general thinking is that Timo Vana is not going to replace either of their country. You know, they're looking at you as going to spend... Uh, that much money to buy uh, essentially a, a second fiddle to the front three maybe didn't make sense to them. So that's why I thought maybe um, he wasn't going there after all. Yeah, Michael, where does this leave? Well, him going to Chelsea obviously means that he'll take uh, someone's place in the front three or rather front four. So where does this leave Chelsea's current attacking midfielders? I think it's going to bring a bit of competition, which is always good at a at a, at a club like Chelsea, because uh, at the front I think they still have Pedro, Giroud, and William. Who I don't know. I don't know how I feel about William. He's not been firing ever since he got that mm. number ten jersey. <laughs> so I think it wouldn't be such rocket science to see who to drop. Pedro is aging. I think he's thirty two now. Giroud is thirty three. William is thirty one. So if if Chelsea do get Timo up front to partner with 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 Tammy Abraham, mm. 
it it would be i think they would be firing with new blood and they would be able to play with the dynamism that i think lampard wants to play you know quick advanced football so i think it would be easy to drop william or pedro and probably play tammy at the front with vana as a cf on on the left chelsea have an extra striker who 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 everyone seems to forget about. Can anyone mention his name? That's right. <laughs> he seems to have been forgotten in all of this. And Gabriel, <laughs> since you mentioned that, yeah. he is perhaps the most unwanted piece of the jigsaw at Chelsea at the moment uh, because even Olivia Giroud appears to be ahead of him. So perhaps you could just walk us through what Chelsea are trying to do and what other pieces of the jigsaw could they bring in this window or perhaps the next one to improve the side. Um, first of all, um, I'm, I'm not committing to... I'm not making the rookie mistake I made last week of uh, committing to Vana absolutely going to Chelsea. <laughs> it seems like, you know, in the last in the last week they've been linked strongly to three mm-hmm. players, definitely. So, you know, I, I'm going to speak hypothetically. If um if they get Vana, of course, he goes into the into the starting eleven. Um he's of course Vana is not strictly an out-and-out striker. He plays best when, uh, you know, he has a foil in front of him. He's played with Paulson and uh, Patrick Schick as a, as, a, as a reference point. So that should not affect uh, Tammy Abraham at all in any way, which I think is a good thing. But he adds uh, goals to the, front, uh, to the front three. So I expect, uh, you know, the front three to be Vana, Tammy Abraham and uh, Hakim Ziyech who they've already definitely bought. Um, I expect the, the midfield should be Kovacic, Kante, and if, you know, reports are to be believed, maybe Kai Havertz. But, uh, you know, uh, Jorginho is there, so I'll, I'll work with Jorginho, Kante, and Kovacic, which is a pretty good midfield. But uh, the, the, the only problem is they, they seem very open once they play teams that counter-attack well. I'm expecting uh, Ruben Loftus cheek to come back from his injury. We've not seen him yet in the, for a sustained period of time. So I expect to he'll bring physicality and goals for midfield, which is uh, you know something that Chelsea lacks quite a bit. But the, for the, what I think Chelsea really need now, if they acquire the pieces they've been linked to, is a dominant centre-back. Because the reality is uh, Rudiger, Zuma, Christensen, and Tomori are, you know, mid-table centre-backs at best. That's the reality. Uh, you know, if that's why I was saying uh, PSG and Chelsea could be in for Koulibaly right now. He definitely makes them... I think, you know, he will challenge with him, you know. Probably challenge, not win the Premier League, but be right at the top. You know, he's one of the pieces of the puzzle. We saw at uh, Liverpool when Klopp came in and he already had his dynamic front three, you know, he acquired a dynamic front three and then he got a dominant centre-back. He got proper full-back and, you know, suddenly they just took off. So Chelsea already, you know, if ideally they get all their targets, they'll have the dynamic front three. Their midfield is still a bit iffy, but if they get um, a dominant centre-back, I think they should be okay. So they need a left back. They've been linked to Chilwell, 
who I don't think is um, will be world class. Very good on his day, but it blows hot and cold. So if they get a proper left back, I don't mean center and all the targets that they've been linked to, I think uh, Chelsea will be complete. But one of the things that uh, Chelsea have to change is the way they play against uh, certain teams. Uh, I was analyzing the games that Chelsea lost, and I can see, you know, uh, Newcastle, Manchester United three times, Bournemouth, uh, Southampton, Everton, West Ham, City, and Liverpool. And what these games had in common is Chelsea had... Uh, an average of uh, 62% possession. They had more possession than Liverpool, more possession than City at the 80 had. On average, they had uh, two shots on target in each of these games where they lost. Uh, so they, they as, um, as Moya said, they, they don't have that sort of dynamic play against teams that, uh, you know, seek to close off their passing lanes in the final third, you know. They always think they have to be the protagonist in all the games. That's why Ole always has a, an easy ride against Chelsea because yeah. Lampard thinks he has to play right Barcelona <laughs> all the time against United and they become easy picking. Uh, so, you know, if the manager changes the mindset and how Chelsea approach certain games, uh, then I think Chelsea will be Great. ready. Fabian, Chelsea have contacted... Yeah, Chelsea yeah. have contacted Bayer Leverkusen about signing Kai Havertz uh, this summer. So they hope to field him alongside Timo Werner. How good is Kai Havertz as someone who's been watching the Bundesliga keenly? I think first thing, I don't think they're going to get him. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, yeah, Kai Havertz is... Uh, they're calling him the, the, the jewel of German football. Uh, tag last given to one Mario Götze, mm-hmm. which... Doesn't mean it will end well, <laughs> uh, but uh, Kai Havertz <laughs> is, is extremely good for his age. Is um, he's way up ahead of his age in terms of how he plays, how he positions himself, and he is a very strange fella. When you look at him, he's, he's, he's just his prom- his body posture doesn't really tell of somebody who is a world beater. But but with mm. the ball, he's as good as any. I've seen so, so yeah. He's. Uh, do I think Chelsea will get him? I don't think so because there are so many clubs after him. And then by Leverkusen, they're also not. They've said they're not going to lower the the asking price for him, which is over a hundred million euros. Yeah, they're not going to do that even during this COVID-induced uh, austerity measures. So. I don't know. He's, he's, he's good. He's good. For, for, for what they're saying his work, he's good. He scores, I think he has he scored 35, over, he scored 35 Bundesliga goals, the youngest player to ever do mm-hmm. so. And remember, he's not, he's not, really, a stri- he's not really a striker. He's, a, he's more of a midfielder, an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just shows how potent he is. And as he grows, as he continues to grow in age and in physicality, it only gets better. When I look at Kai Havertz and I see him play, I feel he's, he's lightweight, he is languid. But then I don't think he runs as fast. Rather, I don't think he's a fast player. But weirdly enough, he gets into positions that make him uh, very dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly yeah. on that, if I may. If I may just start on that, what you've said, 
I think he's more in the mold of Thomas Muller mm. in that his 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 biggest strength is his intelligence. Um he he with the ball I think he's even better than Muller on the mm. ball. But the thing is he puts himself in those good good positions. Uh, such players are really hard to find. These are players that you won't do much but when when they get the chance to do something it counts. Mm. Yeah. Boy, will can he make it in England. Can he do it on a cold wet night at Burnley? Stop virtually <laughs> getting so yes. at Burnley now, yeah. No windy windy Tuesday night in Burnley. Yeah. Yeah, well I'll have to agree with Fab, yeah. He's I think the hype is real. He's a player who can improve any team in the PL and in in the Premier League. And if you have a player who is intelligent and not just uh what's the word i don't know if you call it not really mercurial but flashy he's a player who thinks so he won't need to use his body that much if he has very good attack positioning all he has to be is at the right place at the right time he doesn't need to use his body like the rest of the pl players whose names we shall not mention today he's <laughs> He scored uh, five goals in four games since the Bundesliga returned. You see, he's a he's a very he fires on all cylinders. He's a player who would who would come in and he would score because the defense the defensive uh, the defense in the Premier League teams is not really based on intelligence. It's more about grit, yeah, and you know who can push who over. Yes. So a player like like Kai, who's done it severally in the Bundesliga, where you see more intelligent plays more intelligent movements i think he would shine almost instantly mm-hmm. if he joins if he joins i'm not going to commit as well if he joins chelsea yeah i don't think ben me would mind about intelligent movements he'll kick lumps out of him and send him back <laughs> to wherever he came from anyway the champions league returns this um returns in a few weeks time UEFA has been looking at other venues aside from Istanbul of course the return of the Champions League would mean that the format also changes uh, Cabral any idea on how this is going to affect the teams as well as um, UEFA's running of the competition I was looking up uh, what uh, UEFA were proposing I I, I didn't uh, come upon any definite plan on how to proceed i only saw uh, that uh, some match most matches would be a single you know like a single a, a single game and then they move on to the next stage um there are also still some matches yet to be played yes. from the round of was it round of 16 so and most of these matches are still in the balance but i saw um, that if the competition starts on august the 6 uh it should end i think uh august 30th so it, it should be much of, you know every almost every single day there's a match every week there's a match or you know to, they end the competition early it's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch because uh, the fact is the home and away thing is is it makes champions league more interesting yeah because for example if this had applied the last season we will seen uh, Liverpool's comeback uh, against Barcelona which is a one of match anyone can win it uh, i think this sort of favors um you know uh, teams that are 
a team like Bayern, uh, you know, they'll have a lot of much fitness, you know, at the time. But uh, by the time um, the Champions League resumes, City will still be getting into, you know, the rhythm of, of starting, you know, to play again. Uh, PSG, unless they organize friendly, they will have very little competitive match fitness. So there's certain teams that will all will have an end, of course. So and a team, a team like Leo against Juventus, Juventus will have will have you know a lot of match fitness, but Leo will not have played any competitive game for almost five months. So I'm I'm not sure it's it's a fair format as it is. But, uh, you know, this is the time for a team like Atalanta to, you know, to say we, we can always reach the final. It's a one-off game. We can beat anyone. They're Atalanta anyway. Uh, there's Atalanta, there's Leipzig. There are all these teams that are very interesting. Teams that, you know, on, on the one day, if you put them in a two-tie, in, in a two-legged uh, match, uh, you wouldn't give them a hope against the bigger team. But if it's a one-off match, then it becomes interesting. That's why um, I'd, I'd really like it if, uh, you know, Andakos won the, the Champions League this season, you know, will reach the semis or the final. Someone like Atalanta or Leipzig or Leo, that would be a good story. But also, I, I, I don't know why I can't shake the feeling that, you know, City, this is, this is the, the kind of thing City would like. And so Bill uh, reporting that, uh, of course, Bill being the leading German authority on football news, reporting that Portugal have been put forward as a host for the latter stages of the Champions League. However, today uh, Madrid, the city of Madrid, put their hand forward as well that they would like to host the the, the, the latter stages of the Champions League, especially the final. So would this be an advantage? Say it were hosted, say Madrid came out on top to host um, the final. Would this be an advantage of sorts to Spanish teams that are still remaining in the competition, or will the playing field still remain level given the current situation as it is? If it were hosted at Madrid, that would be that would mean uh, possibly, possibly Wanda Metropolitano and. Um, and yeah, Wanda Bernabeu, Madrid. yes, hosting games. No, the Bernabeu will be yeah. under renovation. So I don't think... But still, either way, if it were hosted in Madrid, maybe maybe you could say, maybe just a slight advantage, I think, just psychological advantage for the Madrid clubs and maybe even Barcelona. But it, 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 it's... It's not that it's not such a big advantage because there are no fans anyway. So the other teams coming in would still feel well. We are playing uh, on, on uh, in an empty stadium, so uh, there's they really no home, home crowd to give us a hard time. But again, on that, I think also before before Madrid, there were mm. Frankfurt had also indicated that they'd be putting themselves for consideration. So, I don't know. Somehow, I just think it will end up in Portugal. <laughs> they have a way with UEFA. <laughs> I don't know whether it's the facilities or or if they, they have a good uh, rapport with the UEFA board. Um, I just think 
I just think Portugal will will will, will end up getting the nod just like they did for the Europe in Nations League. Um but again uh to touch on what Cabral talked about about uh, the new format. Yeah, it, it's true it, it's probably we are, we are we are probably likely to have a new Champions League winner at a club that has never won it before winning it. That that's just what I think anyway, but you know there's still Real Madrid is still there, Juve is still there. Um so that's still Bayern is still there. Um but remember <laughs> The four teams that have so far booked a place in the quarterfinals, Atalanta, RB Leipzig, PSG, and Atletico, Atletico Madrid. Atletico. None of them have ever won the, mm. the Champions League. Uh, and that's already, that's already half the quarterfinal, the quarterfinal roster done. Yeah. And, and the City. And the, and the City. Uh, and of course, they have uh, an advantage over Madrid going to the, into the second leg. Plus the playing 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 it in a format where it's it's a one of match per round gives the sort of the unheralded teams it gives them an, an advantage. I always feel that in a one of any yes. team can beat any team mm-hmm. easily. It doesn't matter how 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 good you how good you are how uh, informed uh, one team is, and that's why I worry for Bayern Munich. Um, I just think you know Banner is so irresistible form that you just feel something is bound to go wrong in the Champions League. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and football, I don't know. Football has a way of working like that uh, because they'll. Be, I think they'll be coming into into, into the the quarterfinals or into the latter stages as the best team. I think they're the best team in Europe right now. Um, even though the other the other the other clubs are yeah. still not playing, but if they meet up with say Atalanta, you know Atalanta, when you when 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 and when they know it's just ninety minutes, those guys they'll just run at you nonstop. So <laughs> so yeah, so this to prepare everyone psychologically, you might get we might have a surprise winner or, or a surprise finalist. Um, which is good anyway for the Champions League. We need, uh, we need more and more teams. Um, we need more and more new winners for the Champions. Before the revamp of the Champions League, uh, teams used to it used to be a knockout competition basically, where any team would beat any team, and uh, we found very, a varied selection of winners through the sixties, seventies, and eighties. However, this season, it seems to be Man City's year, given the investment that they've made, given the choices, that yeah. the, the decisions that they've made with the coaching structure and all that. Moya, is it this year or bust for Man City? Yeah, well, I'm a bit biased against them. <laughs> I'll try to be as objective as possible. But this this should be their year. Last season was the last two seasons. I think last season. Yeah, just for, for for the sake of this argument, was their practice season because they have been building a team which which easily pushed aside uh, any other team in the PL, and now the main goal at City after spending hundreds and hundreds of millions was to win the Champions League because you can't spend so much of my money and not win anything for me. So they have built a really good squad. They have a really good side, but they can't actually they can't defend. Meeting tough teams, 
Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and and now I uh, they have they have to face Madrid. I I don't know if they've got what it takes. I, as as much as Pep is a wonderful coach, they have really good players, but playing in the Champions League, I I don't know how to say this. It's just different. You have to have a particular killer instinct. And now, as as much as they've already played one leg. Just going forward, the format is different. It's a one-off. It reminds me of, of like the World Cup competitions and the Afcons, you know, the continental games where players just train for this one game right ahead of them. And clubs like Atalanta who who can run you off the pitch. You see, if <laughs> it's it's crazy. There could be an upset in any any single match. So Man City have to put aside all the drama of being banned by UEFA probably Pep leaving. They have to put aside all that drama and maybe they could have performance anxiety because if everyone expects you to win, I think it's worse. After all that investment, guys are thinking City have this, City have that and they they really have to win the Champions League or nothing. So I do agree with you. They have to win it this time but will they? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not if Bayern has anything to say about it. Not if Atalanta... Not if Juve has anything to say about it. I, I don't think so. Before you get to the football side of things, City's appeal against UEFA, UEFA's ban, two-year ban from European competition is said to be had this week. I think it started. Uh, decision is expected before this season's Champions League is due to be starting August. So that's about a month plus change. This seems to be a pivotal moment in terms of football spending and um, generally management of finances of the top clubs in Europe. I just want us if I just want us to go deeper into this to figure out how City got here, why they got banned, and what this means. Um, and what other decision means for them. So if they get banned, what does it mean for them and other clubs? If they don't get banned, then what does this mean for, say, the general finances of the top clubs in, in, in Europe? I started with Cabral and then Fabian will come in. Um, I, I, was, um, I was going through the Swiss reports with regards to City's finances and how, you know, the case against them was built by... Um, by UEFA, um, the financial fair play rules basically, uh, you know, they, they they try to keep clubs in check, you know, to spend only what you you know you you you, you can produce like in a year from sponsorships, gate fees, broadcasting, etc. Um, they're, they're claiming that City um, inflated their sponsorship um, numbers basically from the Etihad, mm-hmm. I think, uh, to the Compass. And uh, I think the shot sponsor. So they they used it to boost, um, you know, what they the, the the club earned, so that you know they the, the FA, they don't fall afoul of the FFP FFP rules. Um, so UEFA investigated PSG also with regards to this, uh, and they find them. I think forty five million or so. I think that was um, a, a year or so ago. Um, so the clubs that are bought by this uh, Middle Eastern uh, nations, 
uh, seem to use football as some sort of uh, propaganda tool. And, uh, mm-hmm. But most of the time, like uh, the Saudi Arabian investment group, it's the... Um, yeah. It's it's a it's it's a public fund that they're using to you know to buy up uh, properties in Europe, buy up football clubs. They're investing in um, in things outside of oil. Basically, it was um it it's supposed to make them more stable outside of their oil is very volatile, so that's why when it comes to to combating them, uh, UEFA people have said that UEFA came up with FFP to keep the royalty, the European royalty, up there. You know, the Madrid, United, Juventus, CTC. It does make sense, but uh, of course, there are clubs that overspend, and that's true. Um, so, if City lose this it's going to be you know a pivotal moment for uefa because this would be a major casualty uh this is a major club in europe in the world uh if it falls afoul of them and they actually dump them out of the competition you know other clubs will set up and take notice but of course city are saying that they're being targeted you know because they want to be kept out clubs like united dtc are jealous of them and uh you know if they're saying it's not in the spirit of being competitive for this rule to exist so experts are saying that if city win this appeal and I let you know I let back into the UEFA competitions. Basically, right. they've shown UEFA up, and they're competing in their competitions by force. Uh, it people are saying that this could be the end of FFP as it's known, because uh, you know there'll be a lot of precedent set uh, in that ruling if uh, you know they defeat UEFA that other clubs will use in future to you know manipulate uh, you know how they go about spending. So, you know, it, it, it's a very pivotal moment. People are saying it's like the Bosman ruling in Europe. So it, it's going to be a very pivotal ruling. Of course, it will affect City in that, you know, two year, in two years, most of their core players will be over the hill. Um, they'll have De Bruyne will, I think, be 31 or 32 by the time they're allowed to, you know, go into competition again. Uh, Aguero will be over. Silva is over, of course. Um, they, they they have a lot of uh, very good uh, young players, but uh, the fact is, the world class players are mostly around the age that they are in. They cannot afford to be out of Europe for two years, and they're not guaranteed that once the ban is lifted, they'll still be up there. You know, like uh, they'll qualify for it immediately. 200 million pounds that they stand to lose in case that they are out of UEFA Champions League for two seasons. Are they done after that in case that the, the case is upheld? Yeah, if, if, if the ban is upheld and losing such a, uh, such huge amounts of money, I don't know. I don't think it's uh, we can say that they are done. I think it will depend on what Sheikh, Sheikh Mansour still thinks about uh, the whole thing. Maybe maybe it'll get bored and say, ah, look, we are not playing in the league, so what am I doing here? I, I think still mostly it depends on the ownership. I think Pep indicated that he'd still be, be staying whether or not they are banned from the Champions League, which I doubt. I don't think I, I doubt. I think he was, just, he was, he was just trying Political to... Political Calm everyone. Just, just to calm everyone down. Um, because if, if even players like Kevin De Bruyne, he, 
Jimmy just said no, he's not if if the ban is upheld, he, he'd have to rethink things. And that means that he'd be probably most be most likely be leaving. And remember, um them not being in the Champions League will affect some of the players' contracts because they're in within the contracts that closes on, you know, making appearance in the Champions League on how much they're paid if they they progress and all that. So most likely they'll be getting less lesser wages than they are on right now. Yeah, the ripple effect from the band, if 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 it is so, uh, could be huge. Um, but I believe if the ownership remains the same, then if the ownership remains, then uh, yeah, the next two years would be hard. But I, I think they they bounce back. Uh, so it was the, the thing about this, uh, and I think they they beat it. Somehow I think they'll. they'll <laughs> Money always. <laughs> I just think, I just think UEFA just have it, have it for, in for them. They, UEFA just wants to fix Man City for some reason. I, I don't think their case is that watertight because I don't know how the the FFP version of UEFA was. The thing I found interesting about this while looking it up was. PSG and I think another club got caught cheating and they put their hands up and they said, okay, fine, you caught us, what's the punishment? And I think they got a fine of some sort. I think the, the, the other club also was, the other club that was caught also was fined, if I'm not mistaken. However, City were also caught doing the same thing that PSG while doing inflating revenues and all that. But the problem with City is, or rather where UEFA says they have a case against City, is City continue to lie about it. They continue to deny and all that. So the difference would be PSG accepted their mistake, took the punishment, and therefore, well, UEFA feel that that was sorted, even though they went against FFP rules. With City, they breached the rules, they got caught, they lied about it, refused to acknowledge that they've been caught. And then these football leaks come out that um, they actually were lying and now UEFA had to appear or rather they felt that they had to take a, a standard action against them. Um, however, Michael, I'd, I'd like to uh, close this chapter on Man City by basically asking you, has yeah. FFP done what it was supposed to do or is it a hindrance to say club progress in terms of it being a free market spend whatever you can win a tech sword yes. uh, in, two, in two minutes or less do you think it has yes. do you think it's necessary I don't know I'm, I'm actually I'll say yes and no uh, and I'll pick from just to be quick I'll pick from both Cabral and Fab let me start with Cabral. I think it it is right because it helps club owners who are involved in uh, that sports washing, you know, going in to buy clubs like what's happening at Newcastle and using that to hide all the atrocities and all the oil corruption that happens. Probably UEFA might be using this and this opportunity to fix particular clubs because they they probably they are probably comfortable with particular clubs remaining as royalty, you know, Madrid, Barcelona, and the rest. So Juventus. it would be uh, Juventus. It would be good for them to keep the rest of the world. 
dressed down and hinder their development. And they have picked the right tool. I think Man City and PSG and the rest mm-hmm. have given the Court of Arbitration of Sports and FFP and the rest, they've given them the sword with which will be used to kill them. So in a way, it's a very easy out for, for UEFA. And they, I do believe they're on the wrong and there should be other ways to uh, circumnavigate this. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll, we'll go more in-depth. We'll go in-depth in, uh, in, in, a, in a future part on this. Right. I think we can plan that for the, the week that the Court of Arbitration for Sport will deliver their judgment. We'll go deep into FFP, what it has meant for current European competitions, and so on. Right. At this moment, I'm looking at a picture of Mario Balotelli being denied entrance into the Brescia training ground. So he's wearing a short and a baseball cap and he's talking to a guard of sorts, a security guard who's basically frozen him. You know, the way bouncers freeze you in a club and you can't go in. So what what's what's going on with Mario Balotelli playing for his boyhood club and then it coming to an end in this manner for them? Hometown club, sorry. Not boyhood, but uh, hometown club. Wow. Uh, because I think he's always said he's a Milan fan, uh, <laughs> but has a soft spot for Inter and late home. He's <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Balotelli, it's just Mario Balotelli being Mario Balotelli. Um, I think he's had problems with um, during his time at Brescia for the last season. Uh, I think he had problems with fans uh, racially abusing him. Um, he had problems with the owner of the club, Massimo Celino, I think. And uh, yeah, and I think the club uh, just got fed up with him. So it's 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 yet another chapter in the Mario Balotelli book. So we, I think right now we just wait to see where where he goes next, uh, because you yeah. you're sure the drama will still be there. Uh, but it's it's a shame. It's a shame really for. For a player like him, I, I know people don't really rate him, but Mario Balotelli was the talent that he was. Uh, should have made his more out of his career than he has, way way more. He should have mm. been Italy's number nine for so many years, and he should have been playing for uh, a regular top side, um, whether in Italy or even when he came to Madrid. He should have. Personally, I thought he, he, he had the talent to compete against uh, Sergio Aguero for for the for the striker spot at Man City. But yeah. the problem is Mario Balotelli is Mario Balotelli, so you can't rely on him to keep a cool head. You can't rely on him to do what is required. You can't rely on you can't count on him. That's the problem. He's a bad apple, and it's just a shame. Cabral Balotelli has been. Unsettled for much of his career, played for international Inter, played for Man City, perhaps his best period as a professional player. Played for Milan, played for Liverpool, Nice, and Marseille, and now his time at Brescia has ended. Is he a misunderstood genius or an unprofessional twat? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, 
Balotelli, like Fabian said, um, when uh, Balotelli played for Jose in the um, in the Inter team that won the treble, he actually scored, I think, like 10 goals that season. And uh, he was still so young, you know, and he had all this talent. He could do anything with the ball. So, certainly, on the ball, he's sort of a genius, yeah? But the thing about um, football at the very top is... Uh, most of the time, talent has to go with... There are thousands of talented players in Europe. The difference comes in opportunity and, uh, you know, discipline. Balotelli has has all the opportunity because I feel like um, what makes Raiola the best agent in the game is how many clubs, elite clubs, he's managed to find for Balotelli, even though Balotelli will always uh, bomb the, you know, the, the, the chance has been given. He's played for Milan, he's played for Inter, he's played for City, he's played for Liverpool. He still gets chances all the time. He's played for the Italian national team yeah. and his agent is always there to find him the next club. So he's been enabled, yeah. But also at some point, um, his reputation has been used against him. There, there are times when he really genuinely just wants to play. But, you know, circumstances mean that, uh, you know, his reputation is used against him. Like at Brescia, most of the time, the fans used to... You, you've been racially abused, and yet you're the one who's being put on the spot as if you're the bad person. Of course, will always, you know how he'll react to it. Uh, that's why, for example, I'd say if Balotelli had stayed mm-hmm. under a manager who knows how to manage him properly, someone like Jose, yeah? A, someone like a father figure who would tell him what to do and know how to manage him because it's never the stick with Balotelli. It's always the carrot. Use the carrot all the time and he'll produce for you. But, uh, you know, he's he's been offered no protection. He's come from a difficult childhood. He's a difficult person. You do not deal with a difficult person by being harder on them. So, yes, Balotelli has been misunderstood, uh, misused, and you know, misrepresented in the media, it's you know, you know, he's just uh, and what of all, he's black, so you do not get away with certain things if you're black. That's even worse. If you're black, you can do it, your wife, you're good. But Balotelli is black, blacker than black, black people are in Africa. Sorry, but anyway, <laughs> there are certain things the media will not let you get away with, and the media influence how the fans look at you, how clubs look at you. They influence how people think about everything. So if you're doing these things and you know you already have the disadvantage of your color, come on, you have no chance. But you know, on that note, we'll I think okay. we'll close it for today. Uh, Michael, do you have any last words to say before we leave? It's not as if you're going to die. Just, yes, uh, I have to. you for to your say. last words, but that's <laughs> Yeah, I have two things to say. The first thing is, uh, I don't know if any of you remember Balotelli's uh, preseason game when he was still playing at City, where he did yeah. a back heel. I don't know if you remember that situation. I think it's it's, it's higher than yeah. my favorite moments <laughs> of football. And yeah. <laughs> number two, as usual, I'm sorry, yeah. Daryl, I'm going to say this, but uh, only oh, Come on. Um... For, in 10 days' time, the Premier League is back. We'll probably do a preview of Ole's next uh, games that um, he'll probably lose, according to Michael, and get fired by the end of the season. 
uh, <laughs> we look into we'll preview Arsenal versus Man City, which will be one of the games that uh, re-kicks off, if that's English, re-kicks off uh, the league. So hopefully you can join us then. Um, it's great. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, and join us again next week. So for myself, yep. And and and, yes. and be, be, before be, before you before you wind up, uh, just a question. <laughs> today today as uh, yes we witnessed the death of yes. uh, the Burundian president Tian Cruz Ziza. Should we choose to remember him as a horrible human being, a disgusting president, or a <laughs> decent footballer for his age? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, because we, I think, man, I, I, you know, I used to watch him play. And... Yeah. Man, that... <laughs> Should have gotten a club. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> As you think about that, um, please join us again next week. Thank you, Fabian, for joining us. Cabral, thank you. You're welcome. See you next time. Cabral, thank you for joining us. Yeah, you can go back to watch in Boston League. And Michael. Ah, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. pleasure. Good. Everyone, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.